Lasting change starts with education. Here are the voices for our future that are inspiring meaningful change for the next generation. This episode of Voices for Our Future was produced by Bloom Communications and sponsored by Campus Advantage. Precious Azure is an impassioned millennial high-performance coach and brand strategist sought out by ambitious entrepreneurs, CEOs, and executives across the U.S. for her innovative approach to branding, content marketing, and developing a positive, effective organizational culture. In addition to her consulting agency, PAG, where they specialize in personal development and brand strategy, she's breaking barriers as the vice president and co-founder of the award-winning nonprofit Measure, a public education and advocacy organization that empowers people of color to use data to tell their own story. Hey, Precious, thanks so much for joining us on Voices for Our Future. Welcome. Thank you so much, Jessica. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So you have a really interesting story, and I kind of want to just give a brief background and then have you talk about your experience um, a bit more. So you start off by saying the longest you've ever lived in a home was 18 months, which I think is difficult for a child in their formative years, but you always managed to keep a positive attitude, you said. You were active in your church, you managed a candy business, and were always looking for ways to be involved in your community. In 2008, your mom was incarcerated, and soon after, your dad distanced himself from you. Even still, you were able to graduate from high school, put yourself through college, worked three jobs, and studied abroad in Paris. You're the second oldest of 10 and a first-generation college graduate, but found yourself with a college degree and no job. You then went back to school, quit school, moved to New York, moved back to Texas, started traveling, and tried to seek out as many opportunities as you possibly could. You've done so much in such a short amount of time, and I'm sure I'm missing a ton. But what do you think when you look back on everything in your life so far? I mean, you've hustled and persevered when a lot of people probably would have just thrown in the towel. Right, right. Yeah, this, of course, has been a very reflective year. Um, As of last year was when uh, God told me to like sit down and like really figure some things out. And so even the process of sharing and articulating my story was a process and having to really figure out how much I wanted to share, um, you know, how transparent I wanted to be. And at the end of the day, I'm always wanting to inspire someone else, you know, upon their journey. And so, um, you know, it's been challenging for sure, but I've always had the mindset that if I help other people get what they want, God will help me get what I want. And so it's a really beautiful story of just how life has panned out um, since, you know, I was 16 and basically parentless and really having to push through and choosing not to be a victor. I mean, not to be a victim and choosing to be a victor and just knowing that I just didn't want to doubt God's work. And so I always say like since 16, I've been consciously on my spiritual journey and really living this life of faith and finesse. Because that's really what it takes. You don't always have it figured out, but you just have to know that, you know, wherever you lack, he will definitely provide. And so um, where I am now with working with Measure and just supporting entrepreneurs and helping them gain the clarity and confidence they need to accomplish their goals, it really fills my cup every single day. So I'm sure we'll dive into those details as well. So you work with Measure and then you also have your personal brand. Um, I'm curious to know a little bit more about your brand and what you are doing to help businesses grow. 
I want to say after I graduated from college, um, well, I've always had this natural knack of organizing information, like helping simplify things. Um, I was actually all of my friends' um, counselor. I created all of our schedules in college and make sure we had time to eat lunch together and like block out everybody's stuff. And so um, that was that was me, like really making sure people had that game plan to execute. Like I'm the person to like get things done. And so. Um, just with my entrepreneurial background, my parents being entrepreneurs um, and just being, having that mindset, I always was considered myself bridging the gap between business and creative. Uh, fashion has always been a, a passion of mine. Um, actually, since I was like four, I used to want to be an actress. It's still on the bucket list. You know, you just got to focus on one thing at a time. And so like, um, so yeah, so I've always been that person to bridge that gap. And so coming out of college, really tapped into entrepreneurship was that was the only true option that I knew that I could control. And so from that experience, I started partnering with other seasoned entrepreneurs and my business acumen just started to increase. And so being able to go back to my creative circle and community and say, you know, let's monetize your gifts. Let's figure out what you need to put in place, what business model, what system, so you can really start you know, monetizing and turning your passion into profits. And so um, that conver that conversation and just that mindset put me into a brand management space. So a lot of, I was doing a lot of influencer management. And so managing, negotiating brand deals and really being able to advocate for creatives. Like that's always been a passion for mine. And so um, after getting burnt out on that um, for two years of just traveling and doing a lot of servant leadership, uh, that's when I knew it was time for me to transition into the consulting and coaching space. And so now um, I work directly with solopreneurs as well as um, serial entrepreneurs that have teams that are looking to get that team development, that personal development, that leadership development. Um, and then most of the times I find people either don't have their operations and systems in order or there's just a lack of transparency and trust in the organization. And so I kind of come in and, you know, have everyone accept their truth and then figure out that game plan for us to like really, you know, commit to the culture that we're trying to create and the impact we're trying to create. So I always say I do my best to build the most impactful, sustainable, um, productive brand that you can be, whether that's a personal brand or a business brand. We're in a pandemic right now, as you know. <laughs> And I mean, it's hurt a lot of businesses and a lot of entrepreneurs and things like that. How have you had to adjust during the pandemic? And have you been able to give people the resources that they need? Yeah, such a beautiful question. There's actually two parts to that. So one, I was very intentional about my goals for 2020. Just everything that I was praying and meditating on, I was like, man, I need to go on a spiritual fast or something because I am looking for some big things. I really need God to show up this year. And so I was like, okay, so I started the year. January 8th was when I went on, um, I love seafood. Um, I don't eat red meat. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to give up seafood for until my launch. So everything for this year was prepping for the launch of my new course and my community and all these things. And due to the pandemic, the deadline kept getting extended. And so that means my fast was extended because I had to stay with that commitment. 
And so, um, you know, a lot of great benefits to that. I was, I've been working out, so I lost some weight and, you know, having more natural energy, um, getting more creative and just, so, so when the pandemic took place, I was already on a self quarantine. Um, and so when everyone was freaked out and trying to figure out how to manage time in life, I was like, I can give you guys some tips. I, I've got, I've been doing this for about, you know, two and a half months now. And so it really was more so of like, you know, this is my time to add value. And so I was like, I can't launch this course and ask people to pay this amount of money and different things like that. And so then got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to continuously show up. I know, I don't know what people's financial situations are. Um, Everyone has had different experiences, but when it came to productivity, a lot of people, um, you know, have, have had trouble with time management, have had trouble with focus, have had trouble with just having that mental clarity. And so, you know, I was a lot of my message this year has been, you know, taking that time to go inside and sit with your emotions and accepting them, but also knowing that you're never going to have all the answers and that you don't have to have it all figured out and that there's little things you can do daily to keep pushing towards what you're working towards. And so, um, so the so first part of that, it has not had much of a negative impact on me personally. It was more so of an opportunity for me to be a light. And so that's how I treated it. And so on the business side, um, yeah, I restructured my business model so that I could one, be able to just provide a lot of free resources, whether that was free live trainings or a resource guide, um, how to have a morning routine mindset, um, and then have an option to where people can book me as needed if they're wanting that one-on-one support. But I didn't want to withhold my value, although I've been spending eight months on building out this massive business, online business model. You know, God was like, hey, let's let's remove the barriers and just share your gift. And so that's what I've been doing. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, so much of what you do is productivity and accountability, which is, I think what, like you said, like a lot of companies are lacking, especially during this time that maybe they didn't see before when the world was quote unquote normal. Right. And it's, it's so fun that my best moments are when I have this, um, I haven't called it a name just yet, but it's this time activity where I write down, there's 168 hours in the week. And then I walk, it's probably like a 15 minute activity, but I go through, I'm like, okay, how many hours of sleep do you need? How many hours do you spend at your first job? How many hours do you spend commuting? How many hours do you spend with family? And we break down all these buckets and they're like, I have 50 hours left? Like how? Like where did I thought? I, I thought I didn't have time. I'm like, no, let's figure it out. Let's see where the, they're so baffled. It'll be days where they're like, how do I have 48 hours of time? Like we got down to, I'm like, okay, what about working out? What about going to the grocery store? We went depth, like just going deeper and deeper. And there was still time left. And so people are like, okay, I really need to fix something with myself. Seeing that the math shows that I have the time. So I, I saw in um, an interview you did that uh, you were talking about daily success and conquering each day as opposed to only focusing on longer term success, because that can be extremely overwhelming and just hard to kind of contextualize and look at. I'm curious to know how you kind of where this mentality came from this one day at a time mentality, because um, I think it's super important. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I've had to wear so many hats um, just in my on my personal journey to where I've always had this solution oriented mentality of like, there has to be a way. I've always been a positive light. I think that's something that's natural. Like I, people used to get mad that I was happy, like in middle school. Yeah. When I was a kid, I did theater arts. I'm a thespian entertainment, absolutely love it. And so, um, although right now how life has panned out, I'm this VP of this amazing nonprofit that, you know, is impacting the world and being able to help other entrepreneurs with their businesses, I'm really a creative at heart. So whenever it comes to like branding and campaigns, um, that's when I like light up from a strategy mindset perspective. But when I'm just big on rebuking the spirit of overwhelm, and I just choose not to accept it. And so waking up and having a growth mindset every single day, that has then conditioned me to say, to be realistic, you know, I call them reality checks. We can plan things out. We can have a nice strategic planning meeting and you can have a meeting with yourself about your personal goals and you can write everything out. But then when the time comes, reality check and see, okay, based on how I'm showing up today, is it realistic for me to accomplish this? And so a lot of people, you know, we've heard the phrase, you know, progress over perfection. And so I always say, you know, we tend to, as humans, we tend to just set these high expectations that no one else has put in place. Like we've done it ourselves. So we experience this self-inflicted stress and it's like, Hey, pick that one thing that's going to be your definition of success. And once you check that off your list, you can say today was a successful day. And then everything else after that is a bonus to where now that you're experiencing success on a daily, you are now going to continuously to attract that type of momentum and energy every week you know? And so, um, I've, I have a lot of other things in the works just in regards of just other hacks. Cause it's really, we're tricking our minds every day, you know, like the amount of self-talk we have to give ourselves as humans is that as humans in 2020, the amount of prep we have to do before entering the world, it's so necessary. And I say like, success is truly what you do every single day. And so um, that that's really where it came from. And so I try to embed that in everybody I connect with that seems to feel like they're stagnant or not making the progress that they want. Um, and it's typically due to just that self-doubt or self-guilt of putting self first. And I tell everyone, your priority, your self-care should be your priority, like top priority. How do you stay motivated? Like what keeps you what keeps you going every day? Honestly, the, when I hear messages of like, oh my God, I needed this. If I just put a post on social, like I love empowering people and allowing them to illuminate their true potential. And so just challenging people to be their best selves and then them rewarding me with the results. Like that's literally what motivates me and keep, and to keep going. And then also it's so important for you to paint your vision you know, and just really continue to affirm that in your daily life. And so just knowing like where I am now, like this is like all gearing up to where this is just a chapter. And so to just know that your story continuously evolves and to know like once you get to one destination, you're then like ready for the next destination. And so it's falling in love with the process of the journey of life. And just to know, like, I still haven't unlocked all I'm capable of being. That's another part of the motivation as well. 
Okay, so I want to talk about uh, Measure a little bit and your involvement with that. So you're the co-founder, VP, and chief communications officer. Chief communications, CFO, um, creative director. Um, <laughs> but yes, I mean, I officially say I'm the co-founder and VP. Um, and there's just several other major responsibilities that fall under that VP hat. But um, right. yes, I started off as the chief communications officer. And this will be a fun story to share because when I started volunteering with Measure back in 2017, um, I mean, I'm from Houston and based in Houston. I had a friend who was a CTO of Measure at the time and was saying like, I was helping her with her branding with her company. And she was like, you know, they're looking for a chief communications officer. I'm not sure if you're open to it. It's a volunteer thing, you know, just 10 hours a week. I looked, I, I did a little research and then I saw the president and the founder who was Mimi Styles, And I was like, standing beside this black woman, of course, I would love this opportunity. And so she was definitely one of the like big pushers for me to like ask my mom to drive down to Austin for this interview to be able to be this chief communications officer, then also knowing like the overall mission of measure and being community led and data driven. And I'm all about the numbers. And so I was like, this is perfect because I've always wanted to be more, you know, doing more than just posting a hashtag on social. I just didn't know what my advocacy looked like. And so I felt with my experience in branding and marketing, being able to come in as a chief communications officer, I'm like, okay, this could kind of be that way in. And at that time, I uh, was a little living in my suitcase, staying at my dad's that that specific month, because I would be from LA to Texas back and forth. And he was like, so you're going to drive all the way to Austin for a job that's not even paying you. And I was like, yeah, you know, here we are three years later. <laughs> and the bylaws have been rewritten for me to be a co-founder. And um, I was offered the VP role last December. And so um, through the years prior, I kind of came on board and I threw this conference in my lap and Mimi was like, okay, we got six weeks. And I was like, what? So I kind of came in and branded that conference and pulled it all together. We've now traveled to five different states. I mean, uh, not five different states, five different cities. Uh, we've been to Houston, Austin, uh, Dallas, and recently San Diego with the big data and community policing conference. And so I really spearheaded that initiative um, and building the brand and really making sure that we made data look cool and interesting and something that, you know, a average person could be able to digest and consume and letting people know like your lived experience is data and being able to help them understand how to read it and, and how to advocate for yourself when you go to city hall and different things like that. So it all falls under the umbrella of empowering people and really giving them the resources and tools to be self-sufficient. And so, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got started. And, um, we needed a new VP last uh, year around this time. And you know, I was like, yeah, okay. So who are you thinking? Like, when are you going to start interviewing? She was like, I was thinking it should be you. And I said, Oh, really? And at that moment, you know, it was that that was that moment of like, because of course I was had my own business and my consulting agency. And she was always like, of course, I want you to, you know, put, you know, your business and the brand that you're building first. Um, but I think, you know, you would be the most qualified person to take on this role, considering just all the growing pains that we've been through. And I just confidently and 
just knew I knew I was like, wow, this is about to be some work. <laughs> I like already knew it going into it. And I was like, okay, but I'm sure with being in partnership and sisterhood with Mimi that we would figure it out together. We literally read each other's minds. Like we, I was like about to call her. She's about to call me. We'll be on the phone eating the same thing in two different places. Like it's just beautiful how our synergy. And I really think that's how measures been able to stay afloat through this pandemic because we're just, we're just in sync. We're like, hey, we need to take a retreat, right? Okay, let's just like clear the schedule Thursday, Friday. This has just been a very, uh, it's been challenging, but it's been so beautiful just seeing us be so, um, just just overcoming everything and being able to still paint the vision of what we're growing into and just seeing the opportunity for us to just really continue to to elevate the lived experience experiences of um, the underserved. Okay, so I wanted to just give, um a quick overview of Measure for people who might not know what Measure is. Um, so it's a data-driven organization with the goals of addressing, addressing systemic injustice through data, um, also to connect people to the institutions that serve them for collaborative solutions, and finally to provide disruptive, informative, and innovative training. So you talked about um, how you got involved. Can you talk about why this work is so important and why it's important right now. Yes, of course. And even more so, so we're in the process of actually developing our new website. This whole year, I've been doing a lot of listening and observing and uh, Mimi and I have been collaborating on just even getting more narrow with our specific solution that we offer. And so with everything that you just said, we've even simplified it into providing data support to black and brown led nonprofits. That's essentially, and then the the results of that are the goals that you listed. And so with providing that data support, we're now able to, um, you know, help these advocacy organizations or even businesses have a more equitable lens at the work that they're doing. And so um, I want to make sure I'm answering your question correctly, how important the work is. Right. So we have a lot of, um, you know, everyone, I think the diversity and inclusion wave came about five years ago when the Black Lives Matter movement had actually started. And so uh, companies as well as organizations have known the importance of it, but didn't necessarily know the best way to go about it, right? Everyone's like, okay, let's create a diversity and inclusion position and have them run that initiative. But it's way deeper than that when you don't talk to, you know, the communities that you're trying to serve. You know, you're creating these solutions and recommendations and haven't even talked to them. And so, you know, we even have some uh, black and brown led organizations where they're heavy, you know, on the protesting side. We're like, okay, so beyond the protests, what are the true measurements of what of the change you're trying to create? Let's sit down and create a survey so you can really see the needs of this program or whatever you're wanting to, you know, advocate for. And so we're now being able to have their lived experience utilizes data as well as create these black papers, all of the research that we'll compile and put together. So now they feel very confident and competent in going to city council or going to another policymaker to be able to be taken seriously and be really considered. And so right now we're about to go into the next legislative session in 2021. 
And so this work is so, so necessary. And the other beautiful part of it is that uh, when we're community led, like we literally mean that in every sense, because we need our volunteers, like our volunteers is how we're really able to be sustainable. You know, we have over a hundred people that have signed up, um, whether they're in um, the data science space or in the social work space, or they may work um, in tech in different areas and they're wanting to offer their expertise. And so whenever we have these organizations come on board and say, okay, you know, I want to create a survey or I need to create a focus group, we can then pull from these experts and have them be a part of that experience. Um, and so we have a, we have different tools that we certify our volunteers to be able to utilize. Um, and so uh, that specific program is called a certified measure educator. And so I'm currently right now in the creative brainstorming phase of how to even make that uh, program even more attractive to volunteers, as well as just to increase our retention. Right. And so it's all about people knowing like, What's the roadmap or like how much impact can I create with measure? And so right now in the process of like developing that and people seeing like, wow, like once I get this certification, I can then support people really worldwide. We really have a worldwide vision. And so um, last year we went from just measure Austin to we measure um, dot org just to be able to expand our reach and letting people know that although there are some local advocacy, you know, that we do and participate in, we can serve anyone that has access to the internet, you know? So, um, so it's so important. It's so relevant. Um, it's overdue. And, um, Mimi started this, this started as a project back in 2015 and now it's grown into, um, a, a nonprofit and we're still somewhat of a grassroots organization. We're doing our capital, uh, we're putting together like a capital funding campaign um, so we can truly be sustainable to do this work. So, so have you seen any like tangible, just any sort of impact from the work that you guys have already done at measure? Yes. My first um, experience of just seeing even just my own impact was with our big data and community policing conferences that we were hosting in different cities. At those conferences, we were pulling together law enforcement, techies, researchers, educators, all in one space to talk about evidence-based policing, community policing. Um, and that alone created relationships, you know, at those local levels that some of those activists wouldn't have been able to, you know, get had we not created that safe space for everyone to to share their experience and share what their recommendations are. And so I can say, you know, being able to get emails and knowing that there's that partnership still going on and different things like that, that has definitely worn my heart to know, okay, so getting all the nice printed programs and making sure we had, you know, a photographer there for this and that, um, it was all worth it. And so I can definitely say that was one. Um, and then now recently with our Innocence Initiative, um, due to COVID, we had to switch up some of our uh, programming. And in response to COVID, we created the Travis County Girl Squad. Being able to see that program come into fruition and hearing the stories and seeing the progress of the girls during this time and feeling even more connected because, you know, due to school, everything's online. 
um, we had a couple girls that had to transition to new schools. And so through the program, they considered this as building new friendships because they don't have that human interaction, um, you know, due to them being in a new school environment. So, so much good work. And there's there's so much more to do. So you mentioned um, the Innocence Initiative, and that has kind of transformed into what you were just talking about. Is that right? So the Innocence Initiative was created to disrupt the adultification bias of Black girls. Um, And so adultification is basically hypersexualizing, you know, children. And so um, as young as age five, a Black girl is seen less innocent, you know, seen as needing less care, less comfort. Um, And it really blew my mind when I got to see the numbers. And this is on a national level. And so um, through the Innocence Initiative, we created different deliverables that we could start doing to advocate for Black girls. The Girl Squad was originally just supposed to be, we were supposed to partner with other companies and doing like monthly leadership development programs. But due to the need of what we saw with the pandemic, we really shifted that to be able to provide even more direct support. And so we partnered with Hearts to Heal um, in putting this program together and being able to service um, these Black girls. And so um, under the Innocence Initiative, we created the Travis County Girls Squad. Um, But then we also partnered with Georgetown University this major report, I cannot think of the exact name of it, but it's on our website. Um, uh, Oh, Girlhood Interrupted is the name of the report that they did, um, where they actually broke down what adultification bias is and provided some of that national data that I referenced to. And so partnering with them, they were able to, uh, we're basically coming together to, uh, they're analyzing the public awareness that we've been doing all year. And so before the pandemic, We were hosting community data gatherings where we would invite the community to come out and have these conversations about adultification bias, having girls share their story and them not knowing that they were even experiencing it. They they knew what it was, but they didn't know it had a title. And then seeing the reaction of some teachers saying like, oh my God, I was probably passing judgment and didn't even think about it. And so there's so many things that we do. and, And this is not just... Uh, This is like every, everyone is considered uh, when we talk about passing judgment or with adultification bias. So this isn't just white people. This is black people too. Like you'll have your, you know, your niece or she may be, you know, growing into her, her body as a woman and you may start calling her fast. And it's like, she's still 12. (laughs) Let's treat her like a 12 year old. I know they are growing up fast, but we have to just be very conscious of how the words, you know, that we express to our Black girls, because it's very tough. It's very, very tough. And it's so important to continuously shed light on um, just advocating for them and protecting them. Um, When we talk about sex trafficking, when we talk about, you know, just being in, like, my heart goes out to a lot of girls where, you know, school was their place to escape. And for them to be at home in certain situations. And so there's so many different factors that come into play. And so um, I'm not sure if you heard of the term black girl magic, but black girl magic is definitely something that we have to continuously like shed light on and just continuously empower and inspire and just give those resources and support. Like I definitely have seen that trend now lately due to the pandemic of people really wanting to share resources and being able to elevate one another. Um, So although I know we've been social distancing, I think we still are more connected as a community uh, during this time. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think for the better. I'm curious to know who have been your biggest allies in this space um, in your work with Measure. Honestly, our biggest allies, I would have to go back to our volunteers because they are really the people that allow us to continue doing this work. And I honestly believe, too, that, of course, we had to do something as an organization to even attract those types of volunteers. And so I know that it kind of just goes back to like all of the co-founders of Measure and us being able to see that vision and being able to communicate that to, you know, a coworker or someone at a coffee shop and then them instantly believing in the vision and wanting to be a part of the journey. They have, yeah, volunteers have definitely been our allies from the very beginning. And we're just looking for different ways to show our appreciation and support Um, Every time we're like planning um, every single year on what we're going to do and the type of impact we want to create and, you know, the metrics for the year. And so being able to show appreciation to our volunteers has definitely been one of those added line items of like, let's be let's be very intentional about our volunteer experience to make sure that they're loved and appreciated. So I know that because of George Floyd, Brianna Taylor, people want to know how to become better allies and don't maybe know how. What can people do to be better allies to the Black community? One part of it is to listen, right? And the second part is to believe what you actually hear. Because sometimes we listen and we're taking notes and we're getting a history lesson. But when people talk about their experiences, believe them that that this was a real experience. And granted, I know we have social media that can validate a lot of things uh, nowadays, but it's important to hear the stories, believe their stories and, you know, support them where it's needed. Um, And I think it's more so having that self-reflection, like I mentioned, you know, although this is a conversation about racism, but even when I talk about the adultification bias and like, really assessing like, okay, what has my interactions be? Have I just been pushing this under the rug or, you know, and I always tell people like, you have to figure out what role you want to play. Cause I know it's a lot of added pressure. Like even on just us as black people, it's like, you better step up. You better be at every protest. And I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm showing up in the way that's most authentic for me. And so I'm not going to sit like the George Floyd protest was right in Houston. Cause that's where he's from, but I didn't attend. I was on hold at City Hall giving recommendations for the police department. Like, that's the work that I was doing. So you figure out what works best for you. You have some that's like, you know, I want to I want to be on the ground. I want to be in the field. You have others that's like, let me, you know, write letters. But if anything, volunteer. You can volunteer at measure and you can start, you know, being able to support. And so you just have to do what works best for you. I think it's an it's crazy just how everyone has certain expectations of how we should be showing up in this space. And so I think we just need to listen and educate ourselves first, continuously do those self-assessments and, you know, believe the stories that you hear and then figure out, you know what, I can support in this way and this is what's going to work best for me and I'm going to feel good about it. But I want to give everyone the advice of do not make people feel like you have to be doing what they suggest you to do do what's like true and authentic to you. Have you always been so civic minded and have you always wanted to kind of get involved in community initiatives? Oh, it was a mixture actually. Subconsciously, I've always been for the people, but 
I would say it, it really didn't become intentional until I started using the word, I advocate for creative entrepreneurs. And then it got into the space of like, oh, I'm a data activist now. Then it got into a space of where, oh, I'm actually a co-founder of a data advocacy organization. And so it kind of grew and evolved. I can definitely say that I've always been nominated to be the leader. People just saw this light in me. And then every time I didn't, I, I didn't want to not recognize them seeing it. So I'm like, well, if you see it, I got to at least try. I want to say like just my transparency and my empathy has what is what has gotten me to where I am today. Is there someone in your life, maybe it's changed over the years, who you've looked up to and are really inspired by and that really motivates you just to keep going and doing and continue to do all of the great work that you're doing? Two people I can think off the top of my head. Um, Jesus, for sure, because I wouldn't die on the cross for other people. And so I'm just grateful. I'm like, man, this was a really dope dude, really humble dude. Like, I'm like, you really did that for us. I'm like, I'm so grateful for, for the Holy Spirit because he knew we couldn't do this, like, without messing up. And so that gives me peace to be like, okay. Like, you're here with me. We're going to get through this. You give me your grace. And so every day I'm just like wanting to extend that to other people because you can only give out of what you've been given. And so every day I'm like, let me continue to lead with love and grace. And even when I email people, I, I, I say like, I hope you started your day with a spirit of gratitude and excellence. I really do. And then the second person would be Mimi Styles because this woman, she, she's another level of superhero. Like even right now, she's in her third trimester for her fourth child. And she was supposed to have a whole wedding this year, but then it got, um, you know, canceled due to COVID and being able to just be the president and founder of this organization and continuously like building the vision. And she has, you know, three other kids. I'm just like, how does this woman do it? But every time, you know, her and I are on the same page when it's when we talk about having a spirit of excellence. And we are just women of excellence. And I just admire her so much because I haven't even gotten into the whole motherhood, married life. I haven't gotten to that phase yet. Hopefully it's coming. But yeah, haven't gotten there yet. And so just to know how much she's accomplished and how much sanity she still has and how much joy she still has to the work that she does, I'm like, okay, it's possible. So what is next for you on your journey? Whoop, whoop. What's next for me is true financial freedom. Financial freedom is what's next. Definitely have my investor hat on. Not sure if you're familiar with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the cash flow quadrant. I've been an employee. I've been self-employed. I've been a business owner. Really looking forward to moving into that investor part of the quadrant. And so um, I'm looking for ways to always diversify my income and being able to teach others to do the same. So financial literacy, um, being able to, I'm the second oldest of 10, so I have nine other siblings that are trying to figure life out. And so I want to be able to give them as much resources and education to be able to know how to manage their money, know how to grow their money. And so um, when it comes down to measure, like this is solely like passion work. And so although, you know, my definition of financial freedom it's just being able to have more freedom with my time to where, you know, I literally, I don't have to work 
with measure, but I choose to do this work every single day. I do. I choose to do that right now. And so I'm really focused on getting my coins together, man. It's so important. Um, I'm working on um, a book in my head. I haven't written it all down yet, uh, but I'm going to call it Grow Up Young, Live Young Forever. And I'm like, man, make those sacrifices right now. And so, so yeah, I mean, the plan is to be able to, you know, bring something to the table whenever God, you know, shows me my life partner. And then I can just, you know, be a part-time entrepreneur, full-time wife and mom, be on the PTO, plan birthday parties. You know, that's what I'm looking forward to. Thanks for listening to Voices for Our Future. Learn more about Bloom Communications at bloomcommunications.com and this month's sponsor, Campus Advantage, at campusadv.com. Tune in next week to hear from another special guest and make sure to follow and share if you like our content.